0: We've got into a bit of a routine now of dropping like a snippet of the pod you're about to listen to up front, but it was quite risky me doing that because the audio of what you're about to listen to, as in the quality of the actual sound, is not fantastic. And I didn't wanna risk losing you that early on because the audio quality is not great, but the content definitely makes up for it. So this is a two-parter and it's something a little bit different. I had the absolute privilege of being invited to go and moderate a panel at a recent Validify event. If you don't know who Validify are, I'm gonna give them a shameless plug. They didn't ask for this, but they've allowed us to use the audio of this panel discussion on all things conversion rate optimization. So I'll give you a quick intro to who they are and what they do. Validify is a hassle-free vendor management platform. It gives brands the tools to discover, compare, and select the right technology solutions for their business. If you wanna learn more about them, simply head over to validify.tech. On this panel, we had our very own Richard Chappell and the amazing Rain Peak from New Look. The discussion in total was about an hour long, and it was split up on the night into two halves. I tabled some questions to Rich and Rain, and then we opened it up, and I did a bit of running around the room with the mic for some listener questions. Again, the quality of the audio isn't fantastic, but I know you're going to enjoy this show. I'm really happy to be able to have brought it onto the pod. Before we get into that, a huge thank you to our partners, Bloomreach and Verse. You'll learn more about how they can help you grow the right way later in this episode. But right now, let's get into this panel discussion with Richard Chappell, Rainpeak, on all things conversion rate optimization. Enjoy.
1: Growing a business can be an absolute nightmare. One minute you're flying high, next feels like the wheels are coming off. It's thrilling, scary, it's unpredictable. And whether you're a startup or you're turning over hundred million plus, growth is really, really easy to get wrong. So we've made the right way to grow podcast. It's a podcast with hosts and guests who've seen growth firsthand. They can spot the pitfalls and the opportunities, and they're gonna share their ideas and their experiences with you. If you're a growing business, want to grow a business, or are having trouble growing your business, The right way to grow is the one place to come to find out how to get growing by getting all your foundations working perfectly together. So if you're currently listening to hundreds of different podcasts to try and find the nuggets and hidden gems, we're about to save you a ton of time. Every month, we'll do deep dives into big questions around growth with some very special guests. And every week, we'll fill you in on the latest hot developments in the world of e-commerce and growth. Because obviously, all that stuff changes every single week so if you want to grow the right way all you've got to do now is hit the subscribe button so you never miss an episode
0: hello
2: fancy
3: thank you very much Even all. Uh, guys just so you know, i got
0: a phone call about a week ago I like podcasts, by the way, my name's Adam. It's a weird introduction, isn't it? Anyway, got a phone call from Vinny last week. Who knows Vinnie in the room? Okay, this will get back then, that's, that's good. Got a phone call from Vinny saying, Adam, you like podcasts, don't you? I'm like, yeah, I love podcasts. It's like you like doing podcasts. I'm like, do you want to do a live podcast next week? I was like, beautiful, let's do it. I said, next Thursday, can you moderate the panel? Because I can't make it. So that's how I've ended up here tonight. Quick introduction from myself, um, I'm the Chief Commercial Officer over at uh, the Growth Foundation. Um, I'm here to moderate, I've got some questions all about conversion rate optimization. Some of you have submitted some questions that you want to get answered, and some topics. My job is to navigate that. We've got two 30-minute sessions. Um, let's pass the mic around and do a quick introduction so you understand who our lovely panelists are. Let's start ladies first.
3: Oh. Not sure whether I should tell you off about that. To be perfectly honest, but um, (laughs) anyway, so I'm Rain. I'm setting the tone already. I can see. I mean, yeah, I've got form for calling it. Um, So uh, I'm currently at New Look. So I head up the e-commerce analytics, uh, paid marketing, and digital um, operations teams. I've always worked in women's retail, and yeah, I'm obsessed about customers and how we make their lives easier. Amazing. Hi
4: everyone, I'm Rich. Um, I'm also at the Growth Foundation, I'm I'm a co-founder there. Um, And I've spent 30 years in retail marketing, the last 20 in direct to consumer. I was head of marketing at Play.com, for those of you old enough to remember that brand. Uh, Then six years at the the Hutt Group, where I was founding uh, CEO of Ingenuity, and then went consulting, um, and spent a few years at Gymshark helping them scale in the early days, and then started the Growth Foundation, and then brought Adam along to help us build our fame, so Adam spends a lot of time
0: doing podcasts and other good, cool things, so looking forward to helping on the topics. Yeah. Perfect stuff. Um, so in terms what we're going to do, we've got kind of like a conversation over an hour, going to split it into two sections, 30 minutes apiece, um, and we're going to do sort of like 20 minutes, asking some questions <laughs> this side, um, and then want to open it up to the floor in case there's any questions uh, for Rich and Rain. Um, first question, let's jump straight in, and I know you've got one mic, so please pass between you. <laughs> I think of a lot of what we bump into when we're speaking to brands is conversion rate is done in silos, so uh, different functions report back on their metrics based on their function. I just wonder what's your experience in terms of how you can help brands unblock that and what the benefits when brands and the functions within them start to speak to each other when it comes to conversion rate optimization? Rich, for me? For you, let's go. Wow, Okay, Straight in. Um, there are no softballs, by the no. way. Okay,
4: so um, I think probably let's have a think about functions. So typically, what I've experienced in my career are probably a brand function where a lot of campaign management, content creation, that kind of thing happens. Maybe social media happens there, brand and influencer, effectively that top funnel storytelling. Move over into the marketing team, perhaps where you've got performance marketing, paid amplification probably CRM there too, maybe even the e commerce or trading team are there. Um, and I think yeah, quite often, perhaps it's the e-commerce team that talk about conversion rate often, but they don't, I suppose, consider enough perhaps that uh, the traffic, you know, the different sources of traffic in different channels that are coming to the store. Um, and also we think about that path to purchase, which can be really different for a female fashion brand. Perhaps it might be, I've seen an Instagram post on Sunday evening while scrolling, and I'm going to, I love that dress, I mean, and you've made that decision immediately, but for another brand that could be a six-week journey around, I'm maybe thinking of, of a, you know, a party dress for a Christmas party or something, right? And it's like, I'm, I'm in inspiration mode and I'm building that and it's going to take my time. So, obviously, conversion rate, really, we think about what's the definition is You're getting those visitors to convert. I think having greater understanding and working more horizontally across those, those things to share the information around where traffic's coming from, you know, and... Maybe past the remix. I know when we were talking, catching up on our notes, our idea of obviously uh, traffic from let's say Google Shopping straight to product page—that's a very different experience from someone coming into the homepage,
2: right?
3: Yeah, and I think yeah to carry on from that, I think it's really about democratizing those customer journeys and explaining to different teams who don't necessarily understand that you know the product page is generally thirty percent of traffic. And people think that their journey path to purchase is, oh, well, I, I work for the brand, so I go on the home page and I go to new in, then I click on a, on a product. Yeah. You know, it is looking at all of those different metrics and kind of th- explaining that not all traffic is equal, not all customers are equal, and how you kind of have com- consistent metrics across teams then links up all of those kind of uh, challenges together. I don't know
4: if I speak for the majority of people in the room, but definitely at least a handful of times in my career, perhaps working with a founder, or a, a line manager let's let's spend an hour on the home page and like this isn't mm. where most of our traffic comes to or even no. spends a lot of time on you're like actually why don't we spend time on the basket or the cart or the last page right? So, yeah,
3: and I think it's having those metrics across teams. You know, I'm a bit of a fan of an OKR. So if you've got yeah. the same R, go. which is the... <laughs> <laughs> the <laughs> <laughs> but when you've got the same result, that kind of makes the teams kind of pull together because you're actually working towards the same thing. And I know that sounds really simplistic, but it, it's just kind of unifying everybody together in a common goal. Yeah, yeah really appreciate that.
0: Um, in terms of when you bumped into brands, probably rich from your side is when they are feeling quite siloed. What tactics have you got to help brands think a little bit, look left and right? How do you, how do you break down those silos in brands when they exist? Because some people in the room might be thinking that right now, but saying actually what you've identified is kind of similar to us right now. We get individual metrics reported back by function. What's the next step to start breaking that uh, down?
4: One of the things that we've done uh, recently actually in the last year is create something called an optimization bridge, which sounds uh, what it sounds like it sounds like an optimization bridge, um, but what we've done is think about perhaps a lot of you, if you're into conversion rate and you own that metric in the room, you get, you know, visitors arrive on site and again, sometimes they can arrive in product page, but what's the flow rate through the site to add to cart, start checkout, checkout complete, but we're actually adding a couple of steps either side of that, so we'll add um, perhaps paid media, just roll that up and go, right, what's our spend? What's our total impressions that we create um, from our performance marketing? What's our click through rate blended? And we'll just, that's quite crude to be candid, but at least it gives us a sense of like, what's our, I suppose, efficiency of spend and driving traffic into the store, irrespective of channel. And at the other end, post purchase, like, what's our retention rate and frequency of purchase, post purchase? You imagine there are kind of maybe 10 steps now. And then you realize, well, how could I improve our click through rate on ads? Well, that's improving the creative and and the clarity of communication in our ads. And you can then think, well, let's dive into that if we think we're really under indexing and. So there's the knowledge to know, are we under and are we not, I don't know. But there's usually loads of good resources around, You know, average click-through rates for a, let's say a fitness apparel brand, on ads and things like that. You can get a sense of are you doing well or not. And there's a case of working out actually, let's now test and learn and think, should we work on that part of the journey? And, if, and then you think about how that all compounds together. Mm-hmm. Little improvement on click-through rate, little improvement on that part, and suddenly you, you can double your revenue by just making 5% gains all the way along that 10 step process, that would be the way I would look
0: at it. Makes mm-hmm. sense. You mentioned something then, you said test and learn and me and Rain had a conversation and I remember you saying something that were in my ears which was, so many brands do testing for testing's sake. Could you unpack that and kind of share how you think about testing and iteration when we think about conversion rate optimization?
3: Yeah, so I think obviously testing is, is brilliant and it's, you know, you can you can prove lots of things with it and it is you know, it's, it's great. But you've got to actually think what are you going to do with that test so you've got a winning test what actually are you going to do with this is this going to form the basis of your continuous improvement is it going to then flow through to your product teams are you re-skinning the site are you um you know are you are you actually going to change something with it so that you're actually gaining value from it and i think it's really important to to think about the things that you're testing and actually implement that change because to Rich's point, it's about hundreds of little changes all the time. Yeah. So you've got to kind of constantly be doing all of these tweaks and constantly looking at different areas of the sites and, and optimize it. I know that's the, the kind of yeah. choosing the title. But, um, but then you can kind of, and I think it's about retesting as well, and it's about the, the execution of the test. So at Jigsaw, we had a test on Shop the Look. And for a fashion brand, you know that Shop the Look is kind of what works, it's what stylists do. People are always trying to find the trousers because they're on a different page to the jumper and all of these things. And so we were really convinced this would work and we tested it and it didn't. And we just were like, well, this is a bit weird, we don't understand. But then we realised that the actual execution of the test was really weird because it brought the results below the fold. So then we retested it looked at, you know, did some research, asked customers, looked at different sites, and then brought it above the file, brought it really easily, so it was like one click into the basket. So it's, it's not just thinking it's one test as well, it's thinking actually, what am I trying to do? Is it, is it going to add value? And then if it doesn't work, A, is it, does it not work because the test isn't great, or B, does it not work because you just need to, it, it was a, it, it didn't well, work because the customer didn't yeah. like it. Yeah, exactly. What with tests, you just want it to be brilliant or awful. Anything in between <laughs> is just. I've got something to right. unpack
4: on that. If you don't mind, yeah, moderating, moderating for a second. Do you, want <laughs> <to speak? laughs> Do you think there's an element there of like when you imagine if you're like, in your position now as I suppose, you know, head of trading, trading mm-hmm. director, you've got the, you're thinking through the lens and the eyes of the customer. It's yeah. that confidence of like this is how I want to shop? So you're kind of trying to find the test that will prove your hypothesis. So is that adds that? Yeah.
3: So I think I think you can be very self-fulfilling if you just kind of look at it through your lens because you're on a desktop, you're in an office, and all of yeah. those things. So um, one of the most important things to do is customer research, customer insights, and interviewing customers and just finding out, actually, how do they behave on the site and what are their pain points? Yeah. And I think that's really key to start at that point and then work back from that. There are certainly, obviously, certain things you can see through data and whether you've got, you know, content square and you can see areas of the site yeah. that are rage raised, all of those things. But then I think there's, from a, from a fashion point of view, it is very emotive and very personal, so you need to speak to the customers to find out how they are behaving through the site and their journeys, and what payment methods are good for them, and you know, all of those things.
0: Just on that, when you mentioned speaking to customers, how much of that do you kind of do in silo, using the quant that you've got on your fingertips compared to actually speaking to the customers? in real life. When we first saw each other today, you went, IRL. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> we're finally off the screen. do you think back to measure optimization, is it pure quant driven or is there some value that you can't get from the data of actually speaking to the customer? Absolutely. Can you I bring, think it's, bring some examples of how that's come to life in both your careers? Um,
3: Boom. I think, I think it's just really important to see how customers behave because they're so random <clears throat> and, and you just never get the same experience. And Customers sometimes say they will do one thing and then when they actually do it, it is incredibly different. Um, and, you know, we, we've run, we run surveys and everybody was like, oh, I don't like, you know, price isn't a barrier to me. And then they were clicking like mad on Plana. You know, and it's, it's, it's those yeah. kind of things.
2: Yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it's, it's all those things, that, you know, it's the perceived versus the, the actual, actual yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, and the sorting low to high. I'm like, oh, you've just done that you know and yeah, then they're yeah. like are we really clear about sustainability it's our it's our kind of main thing and they're like oh no that's two pounds more i'm not going to buy that yeah so it, it's that kind of it, you get that kind of real sense of it and also it's a human to human you know i've always worked in brands that are very human to human and people buy from people so it's you're adding that element into obviously data is super 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 important and that kind of is your underlying element and you kind of you can pull out things from that and you can kind of deep dive into it. But I think that, that customer interaction is really important. Yeah.
4: Um, my version of bringing that more qual and talking to customers, particularly I've spent most of my last 20 years in pure play DCC. We don't have a physical retail store to actually, you know, watch people in three dimensions in terms of their behavior. We would set up, a, um, I suppose, a recency, frequency, monetary value scoring system. So the best customers, you know, your best top 5% versus your worst 5%. Mm-hmm. Um, a few brands we've done it where um, you know, we set up the, the email platform or the CRM platform to send a subscription or a report to the CEO or a senior member of the team and let you block out an hour every week to phone those people up or drop them a message say, hey, I'm the founder of X brand, you're one of our best. Why's that? What's going on? What do you like? What do you hate? And often it's interesting for the customers that are the best, they're kind of in this weird honeymoon, you can't do anything wrong. So you get a weird kind of like I just love you. You're amazing. And actually, sometimes it's not that useful. Um, what can be really useful is the the group at the bottom or even in the middle, like the Mer group. Yeah, you know, like the, the, the like, yeah. yeah, the three you're star, right. the, the, three three star, star the three star on Amazon, the three star. Yeah, what's in the threes? Like, why have you bothered with a three review when yeah. you're not either then So we sort of set up those and just put you know an email address or a phone number in to the to the sort of founding team to phone up. And there's loads of insight that comes from that that you can feed into. Actually, I think our customers like this or so don't that can affect not just the site or conversion rate, it affects product design and all those other things, yeah.
0: By now, we've all heard about headless architecture, but here's a quick stat for you. According to the Salesforce State of Commerce report, 80% of businesses that don't have headless architecture today are planning to implement it in the next two years. Now that's a huge shift in the e-commerce landscape. My question for you is, are you ready to start thinking about headless? Well, if you are, we have a partnership with our friends over at Verse. And just so you know, we had that partnership long before this pod. And they're offering listeners of this very podcast a free mini composable audit to help you navigate the world of composable commerce. I can hear you thinking, what does a mini audit actually offer? Well, here's the bullets. Versus experts will assess what your brand needs to migrate to a composable architecture. They'll evaluate how achievable your growth and expansion plans are on your current tech stack. They'll identify exactly what's required to scale your brand effectively. And most importantly, they'll highlight where you can start saving right now, optimizing your resources for maximum efficiency. If that sounds like something you want to grab, simply click the link in the show notes or head over to verse.co.uk forward slash TGF. That's verse, V-E-R-S-E. .co.uk forward slash TGF. So I mentioned the people buy from people, Rain. And I guess the thing that came to life for me is that I hear you talk about a lot, Rich, which is walking the store. Can you just share for the room what that is? Because I think that's one of the most visual ways of thinking about, <laughs> um, like, conversion optimization taking yeah. something that, is, that feels very 2D and going, actually, how do you bring this to life a little bit
3: more? Um, I've just jumped in there. So I think i use the example of recommendations. So if you are in a store and you are a store associate, if you came into the store, I'd be like, oh, yeah, I know you you like a white T-shirt and jeans. Whereas what we're trying to do with CRO is actually by your click behaviour work that out. Mm-hmm. So I think it's, it's kind of relating it back to things like that and relating yeah. it back to the, you know, what are we trying to gain from the person through the metrics that we're... We know about them, where they're clicking, whether you know where they're coming from, what, where they're searching from. Have they come from Google Shopping? Have they put like a really long descriptor in there because they're really specific about what they want, or is it you know they just said red dress? And just the real example, really. Yeah.
4: Yeah. My my view on that comes from my um, uh, experience working in physical retail. As a 16-year-old, worked at Homebase in in Bromley, and I had this incredible store manager who every morning would take the whole team, whoever's on shift their morning, out to the other side of the road, opposite the store, and walk in, and yeah, rubbish on the floor, posters key, I'd park my car near the store say, go move your car, car, get the back of the car park, customers park parking in the store. And then we'd snake every aisle, and obviously I, I looked after painting and decorating at the time, and obviously if I'd, and he would be like, right, white spirit, where the the brushes? And I'd have like this clip, missing the brush, and i would get the look, it's like, how do you make the shopping experience for the consumer super simple, but again that customer obsession of why you're here what you're trying to achieve and make it easy and obviously you make it easy you're going to add bigger baskets you know bigger things so whenever i'm talking to i suppose trading teams that we deal with it's like thinking about you know that what is the use state what's that why you're here and get looks a great example of yeah. fashion isn't it but yeah
3: what's the problem you're trying to
4: solve what, yeah, exactly what's the problem and how do you make it easy that's not yeah. that walking the store. but also thinking there's still an element of clean and tidy and great Understanding of that perception early on. So a bit like you know in a physical store, clean and tidy car park, straight posters means oh there's someone cares about this place. Mm-hmm. I think that's
0: important as well you come in as well. So I mentioned like getting that customer into an understanding of like what you do and getting it clean and tidy ready for them. We often spend time talking about the I guess the rational side of what we do. How much does like the emotional side of a buyer's behaviour play into conversion rate optimization? Impressive. Yeah. Yeah.
4: Um, one of the uh, things that we often do when we think about that path to purchase is uh, quite. I suppose it feels like common sense to think about features and benefits of products and services, um, and amplifying those through the, the journey. Um, and often, I suppose features and benefits can be really rational. They solve a rational problem, or they can solve an emotional one. Actually, I was talking to Mark, who's sitting next to you, over there, around some time at Gymshark and the way that we sort of deconstructed actually what would the emotional need was the, for, the, for, the, for the customer. And I think brilliant brands solve emotional problems as well as rational ones. But how do you work mm-hmm. out the emotional need that Yeah, point? and I think, well, the way at Gymshark and there will be a few ways of doing this actually was observing early customers of ours in the gym. So we went along wearing, you know, not Gymshark, kind of, you know, pretending to squat hard, but we weren't. We were just watching people. <laughs> and it was clear to us in that business in particular that the, the gym shop customer at that time was really keen at sort of peacocking and being tra- drawing attention to themselves. So um, they liked training in front of the mirror, they didn't wear headphones, they like communicating, they're super social in the gym. And there was obviously an element of, particularly for that brand as well, it was a status symbol of they were usually in the best shape, they'd already earned that shape and the figure and all that stuff. So it became a badge one, so there's all this sort of status, it was extrovert, it was peacocky, and then you realize, hang on, so if our customers are like this now, how can we package that content up and then explode that through social and even on the site as well so when you saw you know in on our product detail page there would be someone in the gym kind of peacocking you know, in front of a mirror because that's what our customer wanted to do mm-hmm. so it's understanding that so that emotional need of status and what that, 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 that does for them and then the other point i think was is really key and this has come more recently for for me and the way we think can help clients is uh, the emotional and rational anxiety you get as you get closer to the basket. So, as you're kind of coming into the store thinking, I'm gonna look brilliant in these leggings, as you get suddenly close to it, you think, can I afford it, will it fit me, do I deserve to wear them, am I in good enough shape? Mm-hmm. And how do we suppress that anxiety close to that moment of purchase so you don't get that buyer's remorse or even don't bother, you know, the, I'm not gonna do it because I don't, I'm anxious. So, we do a lot of work on thinking in the, in the cart checkout particularly around anxiety suppression. One, one quick example to life would be, a fashion store you know sometimes you get the chat pop-ups like hey can i help you today mm. instead of that generic message we might be um did you know 99.4 percent people say our fit is brilliant how can i help you today that would end and it's yes. not it's just a small message to say our products fit you really well and i haven't said i know what size you are or
0: anything but yeah. just a little message like that could really ha- reduce anxiety uh, there's yeah. probably some people in the room and just turn you off this one because it <laughs> always pops up in what we do Another example of how to suppress
4: anxiety, if you're on a Shopify store, what's the easiest hack in the world that I see you roll out? Oh, okay, yeah. Um, so if, <laughs> if you are on a store that has uh, perhaps a checkout that's difficult to customise, usually you're able to upload a logo into the top left hand corner or on the page. We often will not just put the logo, we'll expand that size and put a canvas and we'll put things around anxiety expression, which might be things like 90 no. percent of our customers think how we're awesome or here's a review, Trustpilot score, we'll just put Quite often rational anxiety suppression mm-hmm. one example actually we did one with a crash helmet brand called rurock who are this amazing kind of sick looking kind of like um I'm trying to think you know like um mandalorian kind of just badass helmet thing and their, they're, the they're, they're, they're yeah they're, their brand is around you can do crazy batshit stuff looking amazing and will keep you safe that's kind of their brand positioning <laughs> and then we tested the that anxiety suppression at the checkout we did Know, easy returns, it will fit okay, and then we tested that, and then we just did a picture of a dude in a rock with a really hot girl, I'm sorry, on the back of a Harley driving into the sunset on a highway, that double, like, it was that one won by far, so it was actually, <laughs> that's what I won, that's me in the weekend, off into the distance on a Harley, and that, one, that's and that was just done in a logo position
0: at the top of the site, so no tech overhead. Nice. Um, I'm 20 minutes into this, is there any questions right now, So I've got endless stuff that I can go with. <laughs> Um, you can have to shout. Should we pass this one round and we can just shout, would that be best? Yeah. I can run the
4: mic. Yeah, so do you want to have a run around? I'll run around, yeah, do you sit down, don't, don't you don't worry. worry, don't <laughs> you worry. <laughs> you fed me, <laughs> yeah.
2: here we go. Let's go. in. you Jump so Sorry, jump in. Um, just a quick question, sorry, I'm Simon here. Hi right, Simon. To Rain and to Richard, so you guys have a smell test on what actually works, because Geniuses at what you do, but um, I have a big problem with actually understanding whether your poor conversion is because of you, or it's because of your market, or it's because of your product. How do you um, like work that out? Like, like, and share that with teams and go, it's you, it's not the market, or it's the product, it's not you or the market. Some just an extension just <laughs> question for you. Yeah, that's not a hard question at all. Thanks
3: for oh, you
4: got, going first. got 10 minutes. Uh,
3: <laughs> so um, we look at, look. we look at a lot of market data. So, so we benchmark, and I think it's really important to benchmark yourself. So you can see whether the trends that you are experiencing are the market trends and whether that's on or offline. So you've kind of yeah. got some context to it. So I think that really, really helps. So you know whether you're beating yourself up or not. I think you can then do tests in terms of if it's price, that's a really easy test, so whether you reduce the price or you red pen it or you promo it, I think that's quite, kind of quite an easy thing to do. Um, I think in the, in the product bit, there's obviously all the reviews and all of those things, and it, if you've got any wholesale, you probably will know that in advance anyway, whether it's, it's that. Um, if you're looking at product failure, one of my favourite metrics is click to buy ratio. So if someone's, this is not many clicks and there's high buys, it's slightly different to conversion. That's a really amazing product. But if there's no clicks and no buys, can they actually find it and it's on page 387, or is it a click? You know, loads no of clicks buy. and no buy, and that's probably product failure to be honest. If they're seeing it.
4: Um, not much to add, other than I think fundamentals first and making sure like in stock and all that yeah, sort of yeah. yeah. Benchmarks is something we do a lot of, so. Um, and I know uh, Seamus pub public Conjura can give a lot of benchmark data. Thank you, Simon. Maybe that's where the question came from, I think. Um around looking at not only the I suppose the yeah, conversion rate effectively is like a lag measure of all the lead measures we've discussed, right? How many people get from the landing page to the next to the next to the next. So really understanding what how you benchmark across each of those stages is really important, I think. Um also be thinking about new versus returning customer more that's a really complex one like are you a first time visitor and checking you out particularly imagine if you're a high consideration product like a sofa or flooring or some big spend or a holiday potentially right or are you a 10 pound mascara very different um, metric Um, but ultimately time as well i think so if you're
3: looking at so looking over like a 30 day period, how many times have they actually yeah. looked at you, gone through, the, gone through the funnel, all your different kind of marketing metrics and touch points?
4: It's not
0: easy though, is the, no. maybe the major answer. I'm gonna build on that. <coughs> Just from a benchmark perspective, I actually believe, I'm gonna plug you again here, you've got, you've got two off one question. <laughs> um, Could you actually have some benchmark data for everyone in the room? Um, if you want to grab a pack on the way out. That, that's, the, that's what I'm talking about, isn't it? Beautiful. There we go. It's by the door. Grab one on the way out. Am I had, this
4: for the next question by the sounds of it. you had another
0: question? This episode of the podcast was brought to you in partnership with our friends over at Bloomreach. Bloomreach empowers businesses to deliver personalized experiences across their digital channels by combining the power of unified customer and product data with the speed and scale of AI optimization. BloomReach ensures the right product is put in front of the right customer at the right time. When I learned about this, I said, hey, have you got some examples so I can bring it to life on the podcast? And they said, we can do one better. There's a whole use case library with everything from how to retain customer's time on site with similar and co-viewed products, Increasing AOV by showing customers their last viewed items at checkout, through to how to personalize offers based on customer preferences and contextual personalization. To see how Bloomreach can support your e-commerce strategy from SMS reminders to personalized product recommendations, simply press the link in the show notes and you'll be taken over to the Bloomreach use case library, where there's 77 use cases that will show you how to use Bloomreach to grow the right way.
4: Yeah, this Harley with the um, hot girl, can we just get a bit more definition around that, please? Um, J- uh, jokes. No, you, yeah, no, you don't need any more definition. I'll your we'll words. I'll you. send you a WhatsApp afterwards. Um, um, we're obviously fast approaching peak um, trading, cyber weekend. Uh, we all talk about you know, getting ready for peak and customer confidence declining. So, uh,
1: asking the question obviously, conversion rate is super important, naturally, to topic of tonight. But as a retailer, um, how do you really approach?
0: Peak
4: trading with the goal of making it successful. Please.
3: Oh God.
4: A couple of things in my head. Yeah, head. Yeah.
3: Um, so I think I think it's about uh, ensuring that everything that you've got is set up. So and doing that in advance. So it's all of those planning things and, and all of those kind of. Uh, metrics that you uh, want to hit, so if you've got a conversion rate, and I think it's modeling those out and knowing whether, so we're like, however many days it is, 21 days out, so we're looking at the conversion rate and looking at our lifts and making sure that we are actually going to hit those and then being able to pivot if you're not going to hit them. So actually really thinking about the journeys, really thinking about the traffic and, and you know, apart from all the stock and all of those yeah. things and in stock and, and all of that good stuff. But um, I think it's about really measuring it and, and, not thinking that, and not thinking that if something doesn't look right, you need to actually do something now. You can't just wait, because it won't change. Then a miracle will not happen and it will be really hot or really cold or snowing or, fro- or some kind of other random weather situation that we're kind of going through. So I think it's about really leaning into it and trading and making decisions.
4: Yeah, I'd agree, all those points around particularly Plan B's and yeah. having extra tools in the promotional toolbox if, if you need it. But also I would say, this might sound a bit grandiose or a bit high level <laughs> and strategic, but understanding for your brand what peak actually means, because for some brands they're prepared to trade a bit harder and perhaps you know use discounts or an irresistible yeah. offer. There are other brands that we can probably call out that actually just don't play they in don't this period and... in terms of discounting and maybe think actually is their gift with purchase or added value on top or even I think when I say Patagonia will say, do you know what, we're going to close the store, this is crazy, we're just going to let all our team go off and go on the great outdoors because that's what our brand's all about, come back next week when we open up again. And that for them is probably peak brand delivery and not peak trading or perhaps you know, in that regard. So I think really understanding what peak really means Um, and that'll be very different by brand, right? Some of them are very driven by number and others are driven by brand. Mission. So that's That
0: good enough? Okay. Cool. I love that. Is that good enough? (laughs) Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. (laughs) Uh, Any other questions (laughs) from the room right now? Let me run this. There you go. ASL. Fully I am (laughs) Chris. So um, so, you
2: know, I have worked with a lot of brands over the last thirty years in retail, um, and I see um, people going to the websites. A lot of people are focused on this kind of conversion rate, and that's. The two people that are buying, and they're not so focused on the ninety-eight percent that aren't buying. Yeah. So people doing yeah, uh, looking at the funnel analysis, trying to do uh, optimize. their you know do the analytics and the KPIs to see uh, how well people are performing yeah. and uh, and all of that. My question is really around the ninety-eight percent. Um, do you see uh, you know, any big improvements in what AI, for example, can do? in terms of getting a better understanding of propensity, modeling, trying to ensure finding a better way to get people to the
4: website, uh, to get them there in the first place. Yeah, I'll take that. It's really interesting that 98%, um, Adam and I work on a, I'm going to do a plug here, we've got a tool called Order Rescue which looks at the people who leave the checkout at the last stage. Um, which is usually about fifty, sixty percent. People even get to the checkout and leave. So, like, what's going on there? Like, why would we put all that effort in? Um, I suppose that ninety-eight percent overall. I think about. Um, actually, we talked about this when we did a bit of prep. Was the difference with physical retail is that visiting a site is cheap in time and commitment, whereas a physical store is the you know, the commitment for um, travel and cost yeah. potentially, and those things. I think you're saying what conversion in a physical store around twenty yeah, percent, 20%. wasn't it? Yeah. yeah versus maybe two or three in, in online. Um, it's absolutely, I think, an upside in, in AI-driven personalization. It comes down to, effectively, if we're all different in this room, if we went into the same physical store in, in, in Oxford Street or wherever, um, the sales associate, good associate would change and kind of chameleon-like help us navigate the store and find a look yeah. or a thing. And that's where still e-commerce is pretty dumb, even in 2023, I've been in it for 20 years, and we still haven't yeah. nailed, Personalization properly, and there's some. there are some great products and tools in the market that help get closer to that. Um, again, I'm happy to give you some recommendations, the ones that we've bumped into, that do things like, if you came from a, a Google Shopping uh, feed and say you did Black Trainers, for example, you get there and it's sort of, you know, again, you land on a product page. Again, usually maybe it will be a non-AI-based, people who like this also looked at, and you might get a few others, but actually the AI starts to build up through that propensity of how quick did you move? Did you rage quick? Yeah, did you do exactly things? That. Actually, you seem to be looking at black like, trainers with chunkier soles or no laces. Like, it starts to build up a picture of that and show you that instead of just you bought some black trainers and you also bought, let's say, tracksuit bottoms, right? It gets smarter and like a salesperson would. So they, it's definitely coming. And I think that personalization point around, I mean, we even, we've done things with clients where um, in more of the high consideration, like home improvement brands, which is that you know being really signposting on the homepage? Why are you here? Like I'm I'm ready to buy. If I'm still looking. Literally that choice. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to take you down the still looking route and just no buy messaging whatsoever. Talk about inspiration and colours. And I'm ready to buy. Great. Let's get you there as quickly as we can. Like just that question. And that'd be my approach. And then I think
3: there's kind of other data. Google's got lots of data in terms of uh, you know the, the kind of the paths to purchase and if we're an omnichannel retailer, retail you know the website there's a lot of, there's always a lot of research online before people go into stores so sometimes it's it's obviously you want them to convert because that's kind of the key thing they're going to make more money but it's actually what is the mission of that journey and if you are driving footfall in stores is that a more profitable channel for you and, and looking at all of those different elements as well as well as all the things that, that yeah. Richard said is so I don't think I think you know, we're, we're moving away from that last touch uh, model of, of attribution and it's actually what is the kind of purpose of the store, whether it's online or, or offline, and how many different touch points do you need to have with it to your point of are you researching or are you buying? Yeah. And it's, it's, it's not necessarily, a, it's obviously a, not a great thing if you're paying a really high customer acquisition cost, but it, it, it can be a good thing if people are browsing and kind of taking consideration. Because if they're coming back, that's not bad.
4: Yeah, and changing that, I've got say, so particularly on the higher consideration, or even it's working out, Space. suppose, what is the average consideration for your particular store? Yeah. And then not being, like we would do in real life, in real sales, if someone says, hey, I'm just looking around, you're not like, well, come on, then buy, buy. You wouldn't do that in a physical store. You'd be like, "Hey, okay, how do I gently take you on that journey? Some, I mean, for example, at like Gymshark, sort of running into a Black Friday, we would tease a lot of that, kind of, we'd do a blog post around, come and have a look at some of the things we're thinking about putting in the Gymshark sale, and that would create traffic to blog posts, no, nothing around buying now, and this would be in October, and we'd actually actually put paid marketing behind that and spend, and then use that audience to retarget back in November, say, you looked at the Black Friday yeah. thing, right? So, you, you just have, so there's opportunities to try and get that 98, some of that 98% back again. Nice. Um, guys, I'm
0: going to pop 10 it there. Uh, small round of applause uh, for Richard Ray. <laughs> thank, you, thank, you, thank you very much. We'll come back and do round two after, I think, a couple more courses. Two more courses and then we'll carry on the conversation. Rain. Thank you very much, guys. Cool. Thank you, Ed. If you're hearing this right now, I know you enjoyed the first part of this panel discussion with Rich and Rain. And part two is already in the feed, ready for you to go and listen to. To learn more about our partners, Bloom, Reach, and Verse, the links are in the show notes. If you have any guest recommendations, you can email me. It's adam at thegrowth.foundation. That's adam at thegrowth.foundation. And last but not least, if you're new to the podcast, don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you get notified every time we launch a new episode. Stay well, speak soon.